You're listening to Checking In, a self-help book club hosted by Adam and Amber, where we read self-help books each week and sit down to talk about them. Disclaimer, the opinions recorded on this podcast are our own and do not reflect the authors mentioned here. Hey folks, welcome back. You're here with uh, Adam and Amber, not live, (laughs) pre-recorded. In front of no audience. Oh, were you going to say live? Live. This is the Checking In <laughs> podcast. We're a book club. We um, talk about self-help books. I also wanted to say thank you to everybody who has um, reached out to tell me that they like my voice. Um, I am actually really self-conscious about that. So uh, it was really nice and it meant a lot to me. Yay. And thanks to everybody for listening and saying things or not saying things. <laughs> you do you. Um, so today we have no trigger warning. I mean, I think there could be a trigger warning for um, like religious trauma for sure. Yeah, we're not. I don't think we're going to like get into and discuss like. How much fun religious trauma is. I mean, but it's still... But it's still going to be in the mix. Yeah, it's still pretty upsetting. So, yeah. So, heads up, that happens (laughs) a little bit. Um, But I maintain that this is not going to be a scary episode. No. um, I'm glad you picked this one because I can tell you've been really (laughs) looking forward to it. Um, I haven't. You hadn't really Mm -mm. looked... Well, you hadn't looked forward to some of the other books we've read. How do you know? Because I can tell. <laughs> she knows things. Um, today's book is Comedy Sex God by Pete Holmes. Comedy Sex God? Yeah, and that's the that's the fun slash joke of the title. I don't know how many people that's that's gonna run off, but so Pete Holmes is a stand-up comedian, comedian, writer, whatnot. And he has a podcast called You Made It Weird. Generally, the outline of his podcasts are they talk about comedy, Mm. they talk about sex, and they talk about God. Oh, cool. But it kind of seems like the publisher was like, can we give it something zingier than, you know, comedy youth pastor goes awry or something, (laughs) you know, because Pete Holmes is a, a large... Um, goofy white dude. I really like got <laughs> when you first told me about him. I got I I was picturing like two other big or they seem to be big like white guy comedians. <laughs> I was picturing Mike Birbiglia and Bo Burnham for like the longest, and then like I think I googled those are those are both like. Much smaller humans. Than, oh, really? Than a, than a I, but I think is. I ended up googling him. I was like, "Oh, this guy." Yeah, this fucking guy. This guy. Uh, actually, like it would be a lot more accurate to picture Conan and then um, turn him into a youth pastor. Conan is scary looking to me. Well, let's not tell him that. <laughs> I mean, he's like he don't care, but <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> he's got your cash already. He yeah. doesn't care. Um, so in, in lieu of, uh, giving a bio for Pete Holmes, we already told you about him and and what he is and what he does. Um, essentially his 
stand-up humor is pretty silly, pretty lighthearted. And then a few years ago, something happened and it started taking a turn and we'll get to that later. So he did write a, a book and I was wanting to check in with Pete and maybe get a blurb from him before the episode. Maybe we can do it after. Maybe he'll, he'll be listening into this at some point. But I wanted to see Pete's thoughts on whether or not this is even a self-help book. And we were talking at the end of the last episode, like, fuck it, you know, we make the rules. Yeah, who cares? Yeah, who cares whether or not this is a self-help book? But um, I kind of think that my angle on the dangle is that it's a... It's a story about how Pete helped himself. I mean, you can make anything a self-help book. Look at Catcher in the Rye. That's <laughs> it's, it's dark. <laughs> <laughs> this helped me to become a loner slash nut job. <laughs> um, but yeah, I at first I was like, eh, really? I mean, it's because it starts out kind of. Like a memoir, mm-hmm. um, but then I was like, "No, this is this is really insightful and helpful, especially to someone like me, um, because it seemed like we had kind of similar backgrounds growing up. Even though he grew up in Boston or near Boston, um, and I grew up in the South, um, it seemed like we both were infected by evangel evangelism." Um, I feel like his disposition, though, was more like, okay, I really, really am into this. I'm really into God. I'm really into Jesus and all this Christianity teachings. But I was more like, I hate this. What is wrong with me? (laughs) Like, you know, like I was like, okay, like I'm trying. I'm doing all the things that I'm supposed to do, but I still hate this. And so there must be something wrong with me. I And I I gathered from the book that Pete similarly felt that something was wrong, but not in the same mm-hmm. way. So Pete, in attempting to be a, uh, a good little boy mm-hmm. and do what he thought would endear him to his mother, he just got real into church mm-hmm. after she suggested that they start going. And... Um, he kind of yeah. got caught up in the rule following. Well, and, his parents weren't as into it. Right. Which I thought was a little strange because, I mean, I wouldn't have been up in there if my right. parents didn't make me go like Unless three times a required. week. it was Yeah. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. So he, he, he's way into it. Mm-hmm. But we come to recognize later that like him being way into it was actually like he kind of thought they were going to answer some different questions. Than the questions that they answered, which right. you know was essentially don't a- don't ask questions. Yeah, because there were a couple times where he like he seemed to ask questions of his peers or his elders in the church, and they just gave him very very off the wall answers. And I'm like, well, yeah, I grew up, you know, don't ask that type of question. Right. <laughs> and so these types of questions, just to you know, like obviously this is funny that all this shit happened yeah. in hindsight. So we're talking about God, and then sex is already kind of coming into it, and that's kind of what he's talking about. Well, I mean, he's growing up. He's growing up, and he's having these (laughs) urges, Uh you know, and he's, like, horny all the time, Mm -hmm. and he's trying to figure out why 
where is this coming from? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, is this like some darkness inside of me? Yeah. Is there something wrong with me? Mm -hmm. Because I thought that when I accepted Jesus Christ into my heart that all this stuff was supposed to stop. Right. And instead, he's just horny all the time, like he's (laughs) some kind of like, you know, teenage boy or something. (laughs) Yeah, um, I definitely remember being super riddled with that guilt um, and not knowing like what was wrong with me. And, you know, of course, like I wasn't as emboldened like to ask specifically, like, why am I having these thoughts all the time? Um, But I was um, any any other thing that you would deal with in church when you're that age, they kind of meet it with, you need to pray about it more. Yeah. And you need to have more faith, and your faith is not strong, and that's why you're struggling. Yep. He And he got that a lot. Yeah. I remember when I was single digits still, and I'm <laughs> asking the grown-ups around me, where do babies come from? And the answer that I got was some very tiptoey talk about like, well, you know, when a, when a man loves a woman very much. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, this is the sex talk. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like why, <laughs> why does this, you know, inexplicable miracle Why happen? do babies come from? <laughs> why, why do babies come from? Where were they before yeah, they were here? Where did they come from? And it's it's really those kind of questions yeah. that a young Pete is asking. He you know he doesn't want the sex talk. Like you know, I that's not what I was asking for. I'm asking for like a deeper, like why, why the universe? Yeah. Why us? Why you know why why any of this? Um, and he's always been asking those questions in a religious setting mm-hmm. and never really getting answers. And this is the stuff that he's interested in from day one. <laughs> and I, I dig that, you know? Yeah. And I remember, um, my grandmother who has passed away. Um, but she always had really great insight into her faith as, well, God wants us to ask questions all the time. Otherwise, yeah. And why would they I, be popping up? You know, so she always was very kind and humorous of my, like, well, what about the dinosaurs? Like, why aren't they in there? When If I asked that question in church, it would be like, dinosaurs didn't exist or, or somebody's something just gonna, insane. Somebody's going to slap Or like, or um, she knew that I loved, like, the Harry Potter books because it's make-believe. Mm-hmm. And if I were to ever bring something like that up at church, it would be like, witches are real. And it, to me, like at 10 or 11 years old, I did not know that people practice witchcraft. So they are literally just like confusing the hell. Like I, so I'm thinking that there are literal like dragons and demons and <laughs> Harry Potter type witches. You, as a child, you're I'm trying missing out to, on this. <laughs> you're trying to form like this separation between make believe stuff and real stuff, and then yeah. you have grown ups telling you some pretty far out things when that stuff is supposed to be solidifying. Right, it, it keeps there being like a gray area for a, a really long time. Sometimes, 
I remember, you remember those like Halloween, I mean not Halloween, uh, Valentine's Day little cards you can buy at like Walg or CVS or Walgreens or something and they're like Mario or like Sonic the Hedgehog or like Pokemon and you like give them to your classmates. Like I wanted the Harry Potter ones, but like it's, it's like a meme at this point. It's like that Southern kid who's not allowed to have like any Harry Potter stuff. <laughs> I just Bible distinctly belt. remember that as a I'm child. Sh- I'm sure we've, we're going to have some Midwestern listeners that are going <laughs> to have some kind of similar stories. Oh, yeah. I mean, Christianity evangelism has the United States in a chokehold for the 90s and the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. So it's not like just growing up in the South, um, which a lot of people th- seem to think it is, um, but it's definitely... Just kind of an American experience, I think. Yeah, and I I grew up in a setting where, you know, I probably went to church five times <laughs> by the time I was 18. Yeah, yeah, and, and I don't know a whole lot of people who grew up like me um, in my adult life. So sometimes you'll, like, meet somebody and... It'll kind of come out at some point. Like I grew up in church, and you're like, oh, one of us, like, yeah. <laughs> like she knows, like all these crazy, like Bible things or, or whatever. Like, oh yeah, I remember that too. That was so insane. <laughs> I did go to a, a school. I went to a college that had just had its, um, its Baptist funding like withdrawn or withheld or whatever, the year before I got there. Therefore, nobody said anything about, hey, this is a Christian college. <laughs> I'm thinking college. <laughs> and so that's that's not in any of the literature, pamphlets, whatnot. You didn't Google it? Uh, I No, I didn't Netscape it. <laughs> I did not ask Jeeves whether or not. And by the way, this would have been the year that most people got the internet, you know. So I'm sitting there in in the computer lab. You know, occasionally seeing other students looking up porn, you know, in this That's pretty ballsy in this formerly Christian uh, computer lab. Uh, but there were a lot of a lot of the same kind of Christians at my school that Pete's talking about in in the book. Mm-hmm. And it would he's talking about like the rush of Christian conformity. Yeah, you know, like, well, you were a a doughy little chubby kid, you know, that was unpopular and not particularly good at anything. But now you have this friends group of people with similar interests and the absolute same religion Yeah, who are, you know, frowning down at, at your peers that are having sex, trying drugs, right. drinking. And so they've got this, uh, like abstinence card. Yeah. Which we had that too. I was going to say, didn't y'all have an abstinence card? Yeah. Well, it wasn't like, (laughs) his was kind of funny. Um, It was like checkboxing, like things you're willing and not willing to do before Before marriage. marriage. Um, Ours was basically like, I'm not going to, it's like a little business card. And it's like, I'm not going to have sex before marriage. And you sign it and you just like keep it in your wallet. And every single time you go to do anything, you're reminded that you checked like this, like, hey, don't forget, stay clean. You know, we're going to stay When I reach sinless. for the condoms in the wallet. Shit. Oh, I already checked this fucking box. It's a contractual Never mind. Ob- contractually obligated. 
So he's it while he's doing this stuff. So he he checks a few of those boxes and then backtracks when he you know sees that the other like, kids are like, well, I'm not going to try anything. Like, oh, oh, right, yeah. Not even so, holding hands. I'm not even going to hold hands with a girl. Or kiss. No. Ugh, girls. So <laughs> he's starting to get into like the the conditional nature of God's love. Right. Uh, and this is this is where that that trauma kind of starts to come in. It's where it, you know, arguably starts to fuck Pete up. Yeah. And probably a, a lot of us as well as you start to get this idea of like, there is something wrong with me. If I have, if I want to do these things or mm-hmm. if I do these things, everything's ruined. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like you were saying, I'm, I'll am i be like a, like an old bandaid. Yeah. So like one of the previous episodes we talked about, um, comparing in those abstinence only type classes, comparing people who have had sex to chewed up pieces of gum, mm-hmm. band-aids, you know, and that's just incredibly horrible. Also, it made me think at a later date, like, what about the people who had been assaulted in some sort of way? Yeah. How, you know, that is so insensitive and awful. Yeah, sorry, those people are not going to heaven. A bunch of kids. Yeah, because a lot of people who have been sexually assaulted don't even realize it. You know, until way later. So, yeah. Speaking of a a book or two ago, (laughs) but um, I remember not being told that God wouldn't love you. It was basically being told like God would love you, but you would be punished. Oh wow! Like over and over again because He loves you. Wow. <laughs> wow. And then your ultimate punishment is going to hell. Yeah. Suddenly this religion is starting to sound kind of <laughs> I mean, I used to think, like, I remember I used to think my friend's parents were going to hell for saying cuss words. Like, I would go home and be like, Mama, <laughs> Rhonda used the word ass. <laughs> And now you did too. I know. It's just like, just like the most square. Um, I remember I thought my granddad was going to hell because he smoked cigarettes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But that like not, not cussing thing comes from. To which Rhonda said ass is in the Bible. Right. I was going to (laughs) say that it's, 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 there's a passage in the Bible about do not take the Lord's name in vain. Right. That is not... That's in, not what that means. No, that is not, oh my God, or for God's sakes. That is literally, which, you know, this is kind of a, a soapbox of mine. Um, when people who are of certain political leanings use God in their message to oppress and hurt people, that is taking the Lord's name in vain, and that is honestly highly offensive to yeah. people who really do believe in the Lord and God and Christ-like teachings. Yeah, let's let's not bring God into <laughs> you know your opinion here for like why why these people should be put down or oppressed or hurt or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I'm pretty sure that God with the capital G is not going to have you do evil shit. Not super into that. No. So Pete's feeling, he calls it a speedball of um, 
the the urge to masturbate <laughs> and then feeling like God's mad at him afterward. Yeah. So he's like, ah, I just want to get it over with. I'm tired. I don't want to be horny anymore. Right. And gets it over with and feels incredibly shameful. And mm-hmm. he's like destroying his brother's porn. Yeah. And then mending it later. That part was crazy. And but it was stressful. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I can feel the pain of that right. fucking weird little kid. Like, I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> right. This is probably unnecessary. Why are you dipping the calendar in oil? Why are you dipping it in motor oil? Right. Oh my gosh. Bless his heart. So, so he's he's feeling really bad about these urges and he's experiencing a lot of like fix it behavior. <laughs> Calling it a speedball of horniness and shame that's so sad um it's so complicated though to feel like that and then to try to fix that like well i mean just think about like having an orgasm and then having this like feeling follow immediately you know like these are supposed to be like happy times well i'm going to hell now yeah exactly (laughs) and he's like asking in Sunday school, like, what about <laughs> masturbation? Right, like, no one would do that, and, like, straight up. And, of course, there's no adults that are yeah. going to be, oh, God. Oh, I know exactly what the answer for this is. Yeah, like, what can I say? Yeah, like, pretty much no matter what, I'm about to fuck this kid up. I did like the analogy he used <clears throat> that I'm remembering right now where he talks about how like people were really angry that, the teachers didn't have master's degrees, but when these yeah. people in church are just like these random teenage or early 20s volunteers who mm-hmm. are just not qualified at all to tell kids like all these grand notions of spirituality. <laughs> and that's what Pete wanted to be. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got like not great grades. Um, <laughs> The teachers are trying to get his parents to kind of adjust their expectations accordingly. And uh, he almost didn't go to college Mm. because of it. He almost like went straight to Sunday school youth pastor just because he looks like one anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Look him up. It's true. This is usually a bit that he does. Uh, But what I was going to say is that like he's – this like he's trying to get out of the horniness and shame speedball situation by like, hey, I'm going to make sex completely okay in the eyes of God. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get married. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? Which a lot of, I mean, if you've grown up like I did, you know a lot of people like this who like, oh, we got married because we're so in love at 18 is because we just love each other so much. It's like, we no, need to have sex. we just really want to have sex. Really bad. We really, really do. Um, and I love him so much because you want to have sex with him. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably the same thing. <laughs> but uh, the guilt persists mm-hmm. and sex yeah. stays weird. So that happened to me. Um, I got married at the ripe old age of 26 Mm. and I (laughs) well my mom she cringes every time I tell this story but my mom at one point during the wedding preparations and stuff was like well typically older brides Amber you know do this and this and I was like 
So I have like my friends telling me mm-hmm. I'm pretty much like a child bride. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you getting married so young? Yeah. <laughs> and your mom's like, this is way too yeah, late. Yeah, you're to be way betrothed. too old. Um, but yeah, this is the latest arranged marriage ever. <laughs> yeah, like um, it was kind of like like on Broad City. <laughs> Where um, Hannibal brings up like marrying Alana and she's 28. She's like, what am I, a child, right? (laughs) Um, But yeah, so after I got married, even though I was so far removed from organized religion at that time, because I, you know, I left the house when I was 18, um, was still guilt over being sexual. Why do you think that like, Once you have checked the boxes Mm -hmm. and gotten married, so where there's like, okay, so like I've done everything you say and now I'm going to have sex. Like, why is it still weird? I guess just because it's like you've really trained your brain for Mm -hmm. a long time to feel that kind of guilt and feel that kind of shame, especially as women, um, you know, with like the whole virginity type of social construct that they kind of shove down women's throats. Um, I think that anytime you are engaging in sexual acts, it's so much more complicated than just kind of letting go and being free. It takes a lot of training, basically, to <laughs> yeah. let go and be free yeah. even even once you're free to. Yeah, it's it's really unfortunate. I know a lot of people who have said similar things, like they've grown up in church, they got married, and still feel guilty. It's just, well, yeah, because you're being psychologically, you know, damaged, <laughs> conditioned to believe. Right. What, this is what none of those things where the you know the. It's tr- like if you told somebody to feel, which some people do, if if you felt guilt anytime you were hungry. Ooh, yeah. Which a lot of people have that, you know, compulsion. It's just like you're really training your brain, but that's having sex and eating are physical human needs. <laughs> so And people definitely feel some ways about both. Mm-hmm. Sometimes both at the same time. Yeah. Uh so I mean, it sounds like his first wife is a wonderful person. Yeah. And she's extremely supportive. Yeah. And they do a lot of stuff to, like, grow together, bond together. Well, they're also, like, what, 22, 23? They're, yeah, they're kids. They got <laughs> they got married about the same age I got married the first right. time. And uh, it winds up being roughly the same size mistake, mm. uh, which anyone who's ever heard me talk about my first wedding night or my first marriage or first divorce or any of that it's all like this gargantuan like it outsizes most of the other incidents in my life even though it happened a long time ago didn't last all that long but these are still formative years before my brain is finished developing and therefore this person gets to get in at the very last second and go like (laughs) i'm gonna install a few bugs in your system, good luck getting them out. <laughs> and Pete does not expect that she's about to leave him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't expect that she's cheating on him. Mm-hmm. She does. He doesn't expect that she's cheating on him with one of the teachers that she's <laughs> teaching with. His <laughs> this is hilarious. He, he, so it's so not on his radar that he 
like when she sits him down to have the talk with him, he's <laughs> lost. And when it does start set settling in, he's like, it's another comedian, isn't it? <laughs> oh, Pete. No. <laughs> That's so funny. No. So sorry to your ego, buddy. This doesn't have anything to do with comedy. At least I know you'll never cheat on me with anybody funnier. <laughs> Impossible. Because I am the funniest. Um, so how could God let this happen to him? Right. He's done everything that he was supposed to do, <laughs> and something bad still happened. Mm-hmm. And this shakes his faith to its rusty core. Mm-hmm. It wasn't firm in the first place. Pete wanted to belong. Pete wanted to believe. Mm-hmm. Pete wanted answers. But when it comes down to it, his faith was a pretty shaky construct. Yeah. So his wife is leaving him <laughs> and God goes with her. He essentially yeah. loses his faith because God didn't protect him. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, we're going to be talking about Joseph Campbell in a little while, but this is a lot like one of the first things that happens in any hero's journey. (laughs) Where, you know, we have to have some sort of reason for the Hobbit to leave the Shire. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You know? This this comfy little dude is not just about to pick up and set his blankets down and and uh, step away from his shows that he's binging and the girl that he's cuddling just like for no reason. No, <laughs> he has to get shoved out of the nest. <laughs> Stuff ha- has to start happening. Yeah. <laughs> for me, that's where the story starts getting interesting and where the whole idea of this actually kind of being a self-helpy kind of thing yeah. starts to come in did you have any thoughts about this area of the book where he's like starts to realize that his faith is like a a product Um, of where and when and how he was born i never really had that kind of epiphany personally i think i was kind of always just on my way out (laughs) yeah like this is just not working for me, but I didn't realize how much, how much damage that was caused, you know, when I was kind of being forced and told all these horrible things about myself. Um, so when I got older, it wasn't like a very conscious decision. It was basically just like, this is not going to be part of my life. This is a part of my life that really is painful. Yeah. (laughs) But I thought I was fine. So for you, it was more like, well, you know, my parents said that I had to go to bed at this time and I'm not going to do that anymore because I'm not living with them. And they said that, um, you know, I've got to uh, brush my teeth when I first wake up and I will do that if I want to, but not because I have to. I mean, if anybody knew me in college, I mean, bless your heart. um, (laughs) I was just like buck wild. (laughs) Um, and, you know, just had so much energy and naivete because I had just grown up so sheltered, um, and not really knowing like all the horrible pockets I would find myself in. Which you wouldn't have found if you had stayed on the, the straight and narrow. Mm, I don't know. 
you know, I I feel like that's like the purpose of it is to try to keep your, you know, kids from going off and getting lost and killed and stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. in in the end, it's, you know, really a lot of the time we're just like, hey, don't go out and live, (laughs) (sighs) you know. (laughs) So he loses his religion and he, (laughs) this is so funny. He starts meeting and becoming actual friends with atheists. Yeah. And he had been thinking of atheists as like these lawless, amoral people. Right. <laughs> like you're picturing like Roger Klotz from Doug. He must be an atheist. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's bad. And instead, <laughs> like, well, okay, so these people are still following the rules. Right. Like, what? And it turns out that, like, well, hang on, you know. So we don't <laughs> steal stuff because, you know, then the person that's running the store is going to get in trouble and they might get fired. And they hip him to the idea that, like, for atheists, moral atheists, there's really just, like, one or two rules. Rule one, don't be a dick. Right. You know? Well, I mean, I just think it's kind of like shitty people are Christians. There are shitty people who are atheists. There are nice people who are Christians. Yep. There are nice people who are atheists. Basically, you go all around the world and you find that people are all the same. (laughs) Pretty much. They're all kind of assholes to some degree, and they're all wonderful to some degree. You just have to find them, just like anywhere, you know? Like this other group of people is not bad just because they're a different tone. Yeah. Well, (laughs) and tell that to the folks back home. I remember reading in the book and remembering grappling with is Anne Frank in hell? Yeah. You know, is all these Jews, all these people, um, are they perishing forever? And if so, who do I talk to about this? Right. All right, we're going to take a quick break for kids and dogs, and uh, we'll be back right after these messages. Did you enjoy the messages? Yeah. (laughs) I was like, what messages? (laughs) Well, I'll tell you, it's funny you should bring that up. Today's podcast is brought to you by Truck Nuts. Oh, my God. Don't let them misgender your truck. Put on a pair of truck nuts today. Every child in America will squeal with glee when they see truck nuts. Oh, no. We should have this episode sponsored by Horny Goat Weed. (laughs) Niacin. Ah. It's what's for dinner. Uh, So we were talking about moral atheists and don't be a dick. Yeah. And... um, and then just like the whole thing where Pete l- loses his wife and his God in the same year. Sad. And uh, <laughs> a friend of his asked, have you read Codependent No More? Oh, my God. That part was so funny. <laughs> and he replied, my wife and I were going to read that together. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Lord. That was that so is, funny. <laughs> that is a dad joke long before this man was actually a father. <laughs> And I love it. I'm here for it. Uh, we're we're getting to what I feel like is the point of the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, he finds his reintroduction to the divine in some mushrooms at Bonnaroo. I know. I was like, like 
a white girl's fantasy. Yeah. Like being handed mushrooms by <laughs> Reggie Watts. And just like being like, I found my inner peace. <laughs> Someone threw up next to me. So at Bonnaroo. He has <laughs> one of those huge, like life-changing trips, like what I had a, a couple of uh, springs ago <laughs> when I was I was in the middle of doing three solo albums and in between the first and second one I took like a massive dose of mushrooms and talked to the sun for like an hour and a half two hours and Pete likewise like kind of breaks through like he gets through that like early phase of tripping where it's like well I might be feeling something <laughs> and then the later you know phase above that where it's like it's hard to talk and I'm confused and that's very difficult to do anything. <laughs> and then on the other side of that, boom, there it is. Like the feeling of oneness, the feeling that like we are all at one. We're all part of God. We're all part of the same thing. Or he's just high. Or he's, just, well, I mean, <laughs> the fucking difference. It's just mushrooms. It's what's the difference. <laughs> So he refers to it as this was the world, the one I had just been in all my life, nudged delightfully to the left. Mm. And I, I of course, identified with that so much. I refer to that as being like over there versus over here. You know, over here is where, you know, all of the normal things happen. And over there, it's we're still here, but somehow it's different now. Like there's this whole way of looking at everything that like the, you know, the mushrooms unlock for us. <laughs> and <laughs> I love this part. I was gone like sugar stirred into a glass of iced tea. Well, <laughs> sugar doesn't dissolve into iced tea. Try telling that to Pete Holmes on mushrooms. <laughs> it needs to be hot. <laughs> That's, Become a barista. That's one way that you can tell he's from Boston, for <laughs> sure. He doesn't know about sweet tea yet. He just gets the feeling while he's tripping balls that, like, this, the one thing that is everything that we're all part of is here, and it's glad to see him, which is kind of like <laughs> the opposite of the feeling of depression. You know, it's like a right. feeling of separateness and... You know, I don't belong here and everybody and everything would be a lot happier if I wasn't here mm -hmm. versus I'm part of everything and everything is happy to see me. Like mm -hmm. you can't, that's not an assumption that mm -hmm. you make. That's just like, that's an overwhelming feeling that you will sometimes, not always, get on mushrooms mm -hmm. or other hallucinogens, which, you know, are, are kind of equally or more powerful. But he has this beautiful experience at Bonnaroo, and it kind of starts to turn things around and send him on uh, a quest. Fucking Bonnaroo. <laughs> like like, like he's leaving the Shire for... <laughs> oh, my God. If you throw in another freaking Lord of the Rings analogy. Melon. Oh, my God. Um, I wonder if we were there the same year. You probably were. Mm. Um, okay, so obviously you did not have, this is a, a fine time to take a, a detour. You have not had the feeling of the oneness yet. Me? Right. Um, I Or mean, have you? I mean, it's not like, 
I don't feel like that. It's just kind of like um, as I've gotten older, I have been a lot more introspective, I guess, about um, what I believe and what I feel and what my purpose is. And um, I definitely do not feel like God is worried about who I'm having sex with or if I say, oh, my God, I don't think that. Right. I feel like that's a little humanly trivial. That's not going on the scorecard. (laughs) I feel like. It just isn't. Yeah. I feel like these things are are human dramas. Um, Yeah. And I I had a moment where (laughs) I wasn't even, the first time I talked to the son, I was not on any drugs at all whatsoever. Um, I had a moment, I was on top of Haleakala, which is the big volcano in Maui, and I watched the sun come up over the the caldera of the volcano, and the sun peeks up over, and I have this strange sensation like it's looking at me. And I, let me see if I can get this to, this feeling to happen in the listeners' minds. Have you ever been looking at, I don't know, something in the dark and then realized that there was an eye looking at you? <laughs> and it's it's a startling feeling where you realize that, like, <laughs> I thought I was alone, but instead I'm being perceived also right now. And it, it can be alarming, <laughs> scary, funny, um, you know, like... It, you realize that there's somebody looking at you from behind that curtain and it kind of fucks you up for a second. And that was the, the startled feeling that I had. And I heard a voice just as clear as day, uh, as I'm feeling this star looking at me, it goes, what do you want to be forgiven for? You haven't done anything. And that was it. That was the, like, there was no like, hi, hello, how are you? I didn't come up there to ask for forgiveness. This was apropos of nothing. And I felt like I got like a little glimpse into just like what happens when the lines of communication with the universe are open. The sun's like, (laughs) where are you carrying around this guilt? Fucking idiot. (laughs) None of your shit matters. Just go be happy. Um, I was going to read a little excerpt of the book, but um, I th- I think that I've got uh, kind of enough uh, times when I'm probably going to try to do this. But the <laughs> the point um, of the excerpt that I was going to read was basically Pete just freaking out about mushrooms and the fact that he's he feels God, which he was genuinely worried that that was just never going to be there again mm. and that you know he's just an atheist now and all is lost and when we die nothing happens and that all of this is pure chaos and is happening for no reason of course a human is going to miss the idea of of god and order you know like of course we want to create that i don't know i feel like some people it can be relieving yeah, and and I know that for Julia Sweeney, uh, that that was definitely the case. Mm-hmm. Um, that like you know, it, nothing means anything, and that's fucking beautiful. Like all of this majesty is still here. It doesn't. It 
nothing had to create this. It's just happening on its own. And isn't that a miracle? Um, and uh, anyway, Pete and <laughs> Julia Sweeney had a long conversation <laughs> about that in one episode, and they kind of agreed to disagree about like, you know, their basic, their main talking points about why there is slash isn't God. Anyway, um, Pete is freaking out about the mushrooms, and he's saying that God wasn't done talking to us. The lines were still open. The source is as close as the air on your skin, and the conversation is just getting started. I felt like that was a beautiful <laughs> little passage, especially considering mm-hmm. that Pete is not a writer of novels. So, of, you know, he's not a writer of prose so much as he is a comedian. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I thought it was a beautiful passage. <laughs> um, from there, he he goes on to explain who Joseph Campbell is. Yeah. And he has I, a few figures pillared in this part of the book. And I already knew who some of them were. Mm -hmm. And Joseph Campbell is one that I grew up with. Yeah, I didn't know who that was. Joseph Campbell and the Power of Myth was, I believe, (laughs) like a PBS series when I was about 10. (laughs) And dad would call me into the room. Hey, 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 get in here. You know, because he to him, he's like, oh, man, this is far out shit, you know. And he wanted this kid, me, to experience Is it like aliens? Aliens. Well, I remember that one of the things in the very opening is a a crystal skull that was found in South America. Oh, wow. And, yeah, any kid is going to be like, well, you know, crystal skull is pretty cool. Ancient Um, aliens is what we watch now. (laughs) History. Um, But the... Reason he brings up Joseph Campbell is the idea that he doesn't have to throw out the the baby with the bathwater. And here's what I mean by that. <laughs> Joseph Campbell is saying that God is a um what's a myth? Yeah, well he says it's a myth, and I remember Pete talking about how that would offend somebody because you are perceiving in your mind that a myth is something that's false. A myth is a lie. Yeah. But Joseph Campbell is, mm-mm, no, like it is simply a story told with metaphors. Yeah. And that God is a metaphor for mm-hmm. the great mystery, for like, you know, whatever you're calling it. Yeah. Well, he's getting at we're basically all worshiping the same thing. We're all kind of doing the same things because I've had this conversation with you, Adam, before where... I don't recall. (laughs) Just preemptively. (laughs) um, COVID joke. One of my really hard moments um, in my youth was um, figuring out, you know, so I was 10 or 9 during 9-11 and... So you're hearing this whole time, like, Muslims are evil. Muslims believe all these crazy evil things. And then when you get to a certain age and you're like, they believe the exact same yeah. thing. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And, like, Judaism, I grew up in rural Alabama. There were no freaking Jewish people. Like, maybe in, like, a more metropolis area, but, like, definitely not in where I grew up. And it's in, just like— In Montgomery, we had a—, a- a fairly yeah. sizable Jewish community. For sure, yeah. But this is the, oh, God, this, I am going to be walking the line here um, on saying racist shit. 
But the <laughs> the Jewish people that we had in Montgomery just looked like fucking regular ass white well, Alabama yeah. people, you know? Well, like, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think even the ones that I came to know, like as an adult, are just look like normal people too. But yeah. um, I was just like <laughs> mystified. People. Like I was just like mystified. Like, oh wait, Jews believe the exact same. They believe that you should be thing. good to people. And I even remember having these, um, I remember in my church, for some reason, people didn't like Catholics. I grew up Baptist, mm-hmm. so they were not fans of Catholic people. Basically, everybody that's not your specific right. and then religion is heathens. I was like, well, what do Catholics believe? And it's like, eh, you know, same shit. Same exact same shit thing! Little, <laughs> same shit, a little guiltier. <laughs> And I, I think when I was a teenager, I'd gone to an Episcopal church with um, one of my teachers, and I had never in my life, I was like, whoa, this is way different, you know? Yeah, it's a lot more gold. But at the same time, I'm like, but we're still doing this. We're still worshiping the same exact thing. Yeah. But, but you know, like, enough can't really be said about the baby sacrifices, however. <laughs> I feel like that's really where, you know. Yeah, that, that you know. <laughs> and it, it just doesn't happen. Yeah, you know? I, I never knew. And then at the, at some point, I just never knew why so many religious leaders spent so much time that I recall hating on. <laughs> just being a hater. Being a hater in the pulpit. Well, you're, <laughs> you're selling something, right? You're selling you're selling your magic. Or even like And everybody else's magic is bad and evil, but if you stay in this building, then you'll be in here with the good people. All what, of us are going to the same heaven. What was it that I read? It was like I have lots of diverse friends. I'm friends with Shirley and she's a Methodist. <laughs> and I remember even asking, like, well, what's the difference? And they're like, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> David Cross had a joke about going over, like growing up here. Um, and he, you know, growing up Jewish in Dunwoody or whatever. Oh, really? Was, I know, didn't know up, he was from Georgia. He, yeah, he's from like barely OTP outside the perimeter <laughs> of Atlanta. Um, I saw him do a show like across the street from the place where his um, mitzvah was. But, um, he was saying, like, you know, he'd go over and spend the night at a friend's house and wake up in the morning and, the, you know, mom would be cooking breakfast like, y'all's people eat oatmeal? Oh, <laughs> That's so funny. So uh, us rural folks really like to other people. Oh, for sure. <laughs> really do. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just like, it's not no bacon. <laughs> right. Probably. <laughs> Probably right. no big right. Uh, my grandparents on my on my dad's side are Mormon, and um, yeah, the no coffee thing. They, they drink coffee, like it's whatever. <laughs> yeah, it depends on how practicing we yeah. are. Um, so <laughs> this was another great quote from the book, and from a really unexpected source. Barry Taylor, road manager of ACDC, oh, that said, was so funny. God is the name of the blanket we throw over the mystery to give it shape. Right. I think about that so often. It, 
<laughs> from ACDC Road I Manager. Had, I had lost the ACDC Road Manager part of it and was just like, you know, <laughs> throwing a blanket over God while he, you know, tries to make it look like it's struggling. <laughs> make, <laughs> this is a dumb mental picture. Sorry. Uh, <clears throat> so... He experiences a shift from there on out. This shift made my search for God more inward. Spirituality becomes about a feeling that no one else can feel for you. And because of what Joseph Campbell had said about, you know, God being a metaphor mm -hmm. and essentially the religion that he was raised with is, is a myth. Like there's stories, archetypes, lessons. All of these things are true, all of these things are good lessons that you'll find in any religion. Right. But stop trying to prove that these incidents actually happened. Yeah. You, you may come up short on evidence. Yeah. The, the, the thing is the, the point of the story. Yeah, that was really never, never a thing for me. Like, I don't really remember, like, feeling like I needed, like, archaeological evidence that Jesus existed. But I do remember anytime that is questioned, it's basically just like, well, then you're not a real Christian if you don't just, like, have blind faith yeah. in this, that this happened. Yeah, you're one of those questioners. <laughs> Terrible people. Um, all right, so I'm going to try to move myself along as, as much <laughs> as possible. Uh, Pete starts to realize that a lot of things that Jesus said were like Christians are rooting for him from the sidelines and like, yeah, you know, die for our <laughs> sins, whatever that means, you know, like go, go forth and do these things these deeds, whatever that means. But his what he's saying is that Jesus came and was thoroughly enlightened, compares him to the Buddha. Mm -hmm. And Buddha means like the one who woke up. I mean, Christ-like teachings are so vastly different from what I think mainstream Christianity looks like. Oh, sure. I think there's a reason for that. Yeah, sadly. I, uh, for the same reason that if Jesus was real uh, in the first place, mm -hmm. uh, why he was crucified is that he teaches some stuff that's pretty dangerous to the establishment. Yeah. Jesus is just all right with me. <laughs> just all right? <laughs> I'm just... a big fan of his musical <laughs> that he, he, he wrote. <laughs> Like when we went to the desert last week and I was really disappointed that there was no Jesus-based musical just happening out there. Um, so, yeah. So, so Pete is saying, suddenly I wasn't here to build a case for someone else's journey, but to go on one of my own. Right. Um, so Jesus begins to mean to Pete, go and do likewise. You know, don't root for Jesus from the sidelines. Like, you have the ball. Like, now you go do it. Yeah. Which is in some ways scarier. It, would, it demands something of you. What would Jesus do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like even that's been pretty watered down. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> the biggest bullies in school always had the freaking bracelets on. <laughs> the biggest assholes are WWJD people. 
Uh, <laughs> not always, but enough. <laughs> enough to really fucking. Or like the people with the Jesus fish, like in traffic, are always like the worst. Or like the people who any server will tell you that Sunday after church rush is the rudest, meanest, nastiest people. Why is that? I don't know. I I mean I've I've got like, I've got just, some experience in we this. We just area. went to church. Now it's time to start sinning again. Like crack their knuckles. I mean I know <laughs> I know what I felt like it was that you have people who woke up, didn't eat anything. Oh, you, sat in you church. Me, you you always tell me this like science explanation. <laughs> well, I mean, they've got low blood sugar yeah. by the time they come walking in at two o'clock. They've so essentially. Like, I'm not going to tip this fool. They've missed two meals, <laughs> and Look. you, the the one person between them and the food in the kitchen, are the problem. You know, like never mind the fact that you're about to bring the food. You're holding shit up. Why are you talking to that other Look, table? Tipping is a fundamental. Tipping should be the 11th commandment. I mean, who's to say it's not ju- like Moses? We just watched Prince of Egypt. Like, I really have a good grasp on that story. Tipping is a fundamental thing that Christian <laughs> after church people, for some reason, don't seem to grasp. Yeah, like, hey, by the way, your religion's supposed to still be on right now. I know that, like, you just... In in evangelism, they tell you, like, be a person that people know is a Christian, and they see how you act, and that's what would inspire them. So, but in my experience as an adult, seeing Christians in the wild, so to speak, it's always, like, the meanest, nastiest folks. Very interesting. A lot of the time. Very interesting. Um, so let's get into Duncan Trussell. Oh yeah. So you I didn't, didn't know. The, I don't know this guy either. I had I had shown you Duncan Trussell before. Right. Well, that as, was a cartoon. Uh, I don't have a vision of what this guy looks like. Yeah, y'all saw Midnight Gospel on Netflix, right? Very trippy. Uh, very cartoon. trippy. And if you haven't seen the episode where Duncan Trussell. Uh, so what they did was like they had the people from Adventure Time, yeah, animate uh, some of Duncan Trussell's podcast episodes, and gave them like new trippy visual plots while these conversations are happening. Duncan's mom has terminal cancer, mm. and they sit down and they talk about life. They mm. talk about what just happened. You know, for the duration, like, tell me about when I was born and (laughs) what do you think happens when, what do you think is going to happen when you die, mom? You know, like Mm -hmm. it is so hard. It's so hard and so rewarding to watch the, uh, the finale, the last episode of Midnight Gospel. Yeah. Um, no, it was super sweet. It it was sweet, unflinching, t- terrifying. But I was like, why did you show me that? Yeah. <laughs> well, now you're starting to see. <laughs> well, I'm that- just like, damn, it's like getting put on Schindler's list or something. Like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, the worst Netflix and chill ever. Yeah, it's a boner killer. Um, <laughs> but it gave me a life boner. Um <laughs> I 
all of this, Amber has been uh, a gateway drug for something that we're building up to. And <laughs> what happens at the very end of that episode is that reality or whatever ends and he hops on a, on a bus mm-hmm. and sits down next to this old guy and says, can I interview you for my podcast? <laughs> and the guy replies, just be here now. Mm-hmm. So, Duncan is a big fan of a guy named Ram Dass. Yeah. He's a big fan of Ram Dass's guru, uh, Neem Karoli Baba. Yes. Um, which, uh, those two are inseparable. Uh, you can't talk about Ram Dass without talking about um, the... Uh, Called, the other called him as Maj- Maharaji. Maharaji, yeah, find. that's what I was like. That's the word. It's his Maserati. Maserati. Neem Karoli Baba. Anyway, so Pete goes over. They record a podcast episode. They talk about stuff. Um, Duncan just exhibits so much of this kind of energy and enthusiasm for the spiritual that that Pete really feels it and kind of starts getting sucked into it. And he does not right away do any research about Ram Dass or his guru, but he tucks it away. This is an important thing for later. Um, but it was it was that meeting that convinced Pete that the point of prayer, and I've been thinking about this so much the last couple of days, prayer, the point of prayer is to clear up your connection to the divine within. Right. So when he's a kid, he's praying like, you know, uh, please, please pray for, you know, these cats and kittens that died. I I want you to, you know, please watch over my family and my brother. And, uh, you know, if I can get that bike for Christmas. Right. (laughs) And now Pete's a man and he's kind of realizing that like, okay, so the point of prayer is, I I would like to to hear you more clearly, just letting you know that I'm listening. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it's part of his his practice, his like daily practice of like just trying to keep himself clear that he begins praying again. <laughs> um, <laughs> the idea that like <laughs> you don't need this book because there is no test. Like this is, this is all really happening right now. Like stop studying for this. Yeah. Um, all right. So here, (laughs) ah, Ram Dass. Okay. So Pete goes through his little phase of, uh, what, what they call whore Island. He's deprogramming codependency, enjoying sex, uh, enjoying masturbation without shame. Um, I liked that. He, I laughed when I read that um, women were attracted to him for his feminine energy. Yeah. <laughs> they felt like safe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've gotten that. What? <laughs> I wouldn't. I don't know. I wouldn't say that. Well, you know, you. it's, you know. 25 oh, years ago, you just it's care like, for people. Oh, I thought you were gay. Oh, you just, you just <laughs> g- genuinely care for people. Weird. Oh, you see women as pe- humans. That's, oh, is this your move? You must be a woman. You must be gay. 
Um, so if y'all have heard of the show Crashing on HBO, that was that was Pete. That was Pete Holmes. Uh, and it was created uh, along with uh, Judd Apatow. Um, the show did really well. Lasted, what, two seasons? Maybe. I, I didn't catch that. <laughs> maybe a third, but it was, you know, definitely two. Um, if you know anything about, like, relationship dynamics, there's always one person that's going to be a TV person and one person that's a movie person. I have watched very few TV shows, um, but I've seen a lot of movies. Yeah. <laughs> Adam's seen a lot of cool shows, but I'm always like, ah, I didn't catch that one. I don't know. <laughs> I was paying attention to this because I was I was into Pete. Already. Right. No, I mean, it seems cool. And, um, you know, I separately was into Ram Dass. Yeah. And I made a similar mistake as Pete. Um, and it's most most fans of Ram Dass would not call this a mistake. But for some reason, it was a swing and a miss more with Pete than with me. Like, I, I, I just couldn't take it very seriously. But his book, Be Here Now... Mm-hmm. which for the first three-fourths of it is essentially like I've gotten into metaphysical shit and I just bought some incense and I'm <laughs> going to put up pages from Be Here Now in my apartment. And you're going to like have a tapestry with Christmas lights. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much nailed it. You know, like uh, what kind of tapestry? And you're going to go though? to Bonnaroo and you're going to eat mushrooms and you're going to have a divine enlightenment. At Bonnaroo oh, with MGMT in the background. Podcast just looped itself. <laughs> it's just lapped itself. Um, so it, that didn't really land with him. I noticed that in the back of Be Here Now, it goes from essentially being artwork and, and metaphysical posters mm. and sayings. And like it goes from this like, calendar page a day type format of spirituality. The last bit of it, maybe the last quarter to third of it is actually text. Mm -hmm. And in it, um, Ram Dass, uh, whose name at that point was Richard Alpert, describes what led him to go to India to find this guy, Mm -hmm. which is that he was a professor uh, and that he and Timothy Leary had been doing experiments with the students, <laughs> giving them acid and giving them synthesized psilocybin mm-hmm. and just keeping an eye on them. And of course, these gentlemen are taking all of these substances themselves as well. It doesn't take long for like a Nixonian mindset to kind of catch up and go like, <laughs> Y'all can't be doing this in our college. Like, this is sketchy as hell. Yeah. And so Timothy Leary gets cast to the wind in one direction, and Richard Alpert gets cast in the other direction. And he goes to India. He finds this holy man. Holy man performs a a small and strange but profound miracle (laughs) um, that immediately changes this man in the way he thinks, feels, sees himself, and sees the world, and just breathlessly goes back home and tells everybody about it like an asshole because he wasn't supposed to. (laughs) And he gets the new name 
from his teacher, and his new name is Ram Das. Right. Servant of God. Right. <laughs> and so I read that part in the back of the book, and I'm hooked by that. Yeah. I don't think Pete noticed that. Pete gets in when he starts listening to uh, Experiments in Truth, which is a, a series of lectures by yeah. Ram Das. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people who really like those. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'll listen to those every once in a while, but he's got like he's got a lot of content. Hundreds and he hundreds. He's like and the hundreds OG content creator. Yeah, for sure. And the <laughs> recordings on all of them are not awesome. <laughs> I definitely say like if you can find some old footage of Ram Dass speaking, yeah. check it out because like not only is it like really nice, comforting, kind of mind blowing stuff, but also as Pete says, he's fucking funny. He seems like a Shel Silverstein type of vibe. Little bit. I would <laughs> I would go so far as saying it's a sweeter vibe <laughs> even than than Shel Silverstein. Shel Silverstein has this darkness that makes him interesting and funny. Yeah. And Ram Dass yeah, he is seems very love and light. Very love and light, and the comedy is almost always unexpected. Mm-hmm. And to <laughs> me, that's when you're not expecting the punchline or a joke, that's when I laugh the hardest. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Pete says, yeah, not church funny, but comedian funny, genuinely. <laughs> church funny. Pete talking about religion, Ram Das talking about religion. We have to choose our traps wisely. You don't want to be, uh, you don't want to be it, uh, meditating. You want to be free. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be a Jew. You want to be free. Mm-hmm. You know, like you don't. You want to use these tools to free yourself. You don't want to get trapped by the tool. Mm-hmm. But the the point of this is we have to choose our traps wisely and hope that they self-destruct after they've served their purpose. Like using a stick to stoke a fire, which you eventually throw in. I've been thinking about this quote a lot this week. Ram Das heard holy men comparing the human brain to a drunken monkey. You have to give it something to do. <laughs> uh and he goes into talking about waking meditation, which yeah. for him is just the repetition of uh Well, that's Hindi. Ram. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when they got those little those little beads and they're just like Hari Krishna, Hari 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 like over and over again hundreds yeah. of times. I mean, that's that's what that is. Yeah. It's not like they're saying a magical spell or anything. Like yeah. it's here is what my mind is doing yeah. right now so that I can have peace from my mind. Right. Um, when my brain, when my mind doesn't have something to do, it starts trying to find evidence that I don't belong well, here. Well, I mean, I, honestly, in Hindi, it's almost like a ritual because they say, they treat it ritualistically because it like clears the mind so that you can be here. sound, you can be present yeah. and you can worship more effectively. So in, in a way it is a little bit like a ritual. Um, but yeah, I mean, it comes out with the same outcome. Yeah. Uh, so I've been doing that the last few days, started it in the desert and I've been <laughs> trying to do it ever since, but like, you know, the depression, uh, is, is coming back in and what I'm doing for it is I'm just giving it something to do. Yeah. Like, could you please ignore me and whether or not you think I need to be here on this planet, I'm pretty sure that I do. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you something to do, which is just rum, 
rum, rum. And so it's thinking that while I feel fine, you know, I get, I get to go about my day, um, unbothered by the weird intrusive thoughts that depression likes to give me. Now I've given it something to do. So, but Pete would do the yes, thank you. Yes, thank you was very important. I thought that was cool. This actually gets to the part where I disagree slightly. Do it. So um, this is kind of my hot take here. Um, He kind of talks negatively about folks who um, are taking pictures of things and who are analyzing things and who are... So his example was he's at a botanical garden. He, in his meditative state, is not taking pictures of the plants, is not learning about the plants, is not... He is just being present and he is kind of thanking the plant for being there and moving along. Um, I go to botanical gardens and museums just because they're enjoyable. It's an enjoyable environment. You get to learn things. You do get to observe things you haven't seen before. You get to learn a lot of cool things, and it's very fun. Um, I've, And then on the part of like, well, you don't want to take a picture of it and just have that experience on Facebook. And I'm just like, I think people in this day and age, um, I think people are inspired a lot by things that are beautiful. And this is one thing that I thought about a lot in the desert. Whenever you're taking these photos, you're creating a piece of art. You're not just like, take the photo and go, store that, going to use it later. You're looking at a good shot. You want it to look as beautiful as you're seeing it right now because you want to share that piece of art you're creating with the people you love. Right. And I mean, so I think that, you know, just being inspired by what's around you and creating that little piece of art, whether it is something as trivial as just a picture on your iPhone, you're creating. Um, I wouldn't take the same picture that Adam would take. You know, this is a piece of me. And, you know, I think that's more important than people give, you know, I think people can just kind of trivially throw these things away. So he's he's talking about how how we consume life. Yeah. So he was saying that he didn't get museums. And I love museums. I don't get every, and whenever I read that part, I was like, I don't get all the art I look at. Sometimes I'm just like, this is strange, but I love going. I just like to see the art. I don't know. Like, I don't really think too much about it. (laughs) Well, he was not at that point. Right. <laughs> he he could not get there. He was worried that he was doing but, something wrong when he was looking well, at the paintings. Some people just aren't into museums. Well, the the point is <laughs> not that it's the point's not the museum. The point's not the art. The yeah. point is, uh, what are you experiencing? What do you think it is that you're looking for? Because he's yeah. going thinking that everybody is like. Oh, you know, look at the brushwork for this and look at the the color choice for this. When really the point is like, and I say this to my youngest all the time, look at it. Okay. How does that make you feel? Yeah. What is, what's the feeling that you have when you look at this? And he'll respond genuinely and be like cold, like fuck. Yeah, dude, you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. That's totally what the artist was going for. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not about like 
proving that you were there. The point is feeling the thing that the artist was feeling when they painted it, mm-hmm. not not checking a box. Mm-hmm. So instead of consuming, checking that box, he says, be consumed by it. Yeah. Like just roll around in the flower for a while. Like really just like look at this one flower, get to know it, love it, accept it, say yes to it, you know? Not like this was the best looking flower that I found and this was the best looking tree that I found. (laughs) It was, gosh, it felt so cool to be in this place and to see these wonderful things. Yeah. It was just, it was a difference in his expectation of how to consume art or how to consume the botanical garden when really the point is be consumed by it. I mean, if you want to be, yeah. I just like having a good time. <laughs> it's not that complicated for me. <laughs> yeah. You can't you can't really teach that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is nice. <laughs> All right. So we're kind of wrapping up with the yeah. stuff now, but as you can see, the entire book is just a gateway drug for for Ram Das. Yeah. And really just to find your own way. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, are Christian people that warn against this book, that warn against Pete Holmes. Oh, really? But I think so that... he has some haters? Yeah. Oh, dear. Uh, it, you know, and that would be, you know, the more conservative Christians that are like, well, you know, you're upsetting the natural balance That's here. how you know you succeed when exactly. you got some haters. And really the point is that, like, well... <laughs> How about you be a Christian, you stay a Christian, and you let this info and mindset supercharge your Christianity so that you're an actual practicing Christian. They don't want to do that. Instead of somebody that shows up once a week and then goes and stiffs the server. That's too hard. (laughs) They don't want to do that. Go to therapy. (laughs) Um, I hadn't mentioned this but so he pete goes to maui like i did but he goes to a retreat where you are in ram das's presence i bet that ship whenever he was talking about it i was like this shit probably cost so much fucking money i think it was a couple grand I think it's more than that. Um, He's like literally sitting and chatting with this man. Well, that's different. Oh, oh, uh, oh! Right, right, right. That's the second time. I I had yeah. actually registered to win a trip to go to the retreat. Oh wow! In December of 2019, I think. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure Ron Doss died at the end of December 2019. Oh, bless. So that that would have been my absolute last opportunity yeah. to go do this. You should have gotten enlightened sooner. Yeah, Why didn't shoot. you? Shoot. Um, <laughs> I, I missed him. Um, so he goes to this thing and has a a grand old time. But I liked one of the things he talked about. Yeah. When he said, "I was a little worried that I'm just trading one religion for another." Yeah. And I don't know if that's what you're about to say, but I feel like sometimes I struggle with that as well. Again, that's the trap. Yeah. You know, 
Like you don't you don't want to be a follower of Ram Dass. You want to be free. Right. You want to be free of all of that. Right. Um, but I think he, it's just people's personalities, to be quite honest. He has a little a little blip and decides that he's going to go back. Mm-hmm. And he wants to do the one-on-one thing Which with Ram Dass. Which is an Ram extra $20,000. <laughs> it I bet that was five grand. I bet you anything. I bet it was more than that. Um, I don't know. He because he was like staying in a nice little villa with a pool. That's well. That's at Rom's place. Well, yeah. I mean, it's probably expensive to stay up in there. Maui's expensive, right? Um, <laughs> so this is funny, um, and it and ties everything back together. So Pete is wrestling with this really odd problem. After okay, first he sits with Ram Das. And just feels this like he has this unusual experience where the room is just drenched with unconditional love that just seems to be flowing out of Ram Dass at all times. Mm-hmm. And they sit and are looking at each other and Ram Dass is like, you feel that? Mm. And Pete's like, holy shit, yes. Like he feels like he's tripping again. And he's like, that's my guru. Like, that's not you? He's like, no, that's my guru. And once again, you know, one of the miracles of the Maharaji, uh, I just thought that part was really fantastically written. Um, Mm -hmm. Y'all should definitely check that part out. But, But Pete wrestles with, for his remainder of the time there, he wrestles with being very horny on this retreat. I know, and that was so funny to me. I was like, wow, because I still wrestle with these feelings of shame as an adult who is for the most part pretty rational about my beliefs and my faith system and I still like why am I feeling so guilty yeah (laughs) for being a sexual person and if I had a friend who came to me and said I'm at this retreat and I'm and they're texting me and they you know and um, Adam gets to see secondhand some of my texting and funny phone conversations with my friend. No, I don't. I'm at <laughs> I'm at this retreat and I can't focus. And I'm just like, who cares? Like you're a person. Just masturbate. Just eat. Just drink. Just sleep. Yeah. Like it's and not Pete's a big deal. like, I don't even know where I'm gonna masturbate. Maybe I need to go. F- I I can't masturbate in the villa. I need to go. You right. know. Uh, you know, maybe I'll go jerk off in the car, but like, no, then he'll know this is all, this is all bad. (laughs) Like who cares? And he's sitting with Rom like later that day after he's thinking about it. And Rom is like, what were you thinking about just then? Yeah. And he's like, honest. I feel like Uh, I would have fibbed. Yeah. I feel like I would have been like, um, yeah, I was thinking about the trees and the wind and the Definitely think I was thinking about holy shit. (laughs) I don't know about you, man. <laughs> Holy shit all day long, man. That shit made me laugh um, so hard. But he was talking about like, you know, I I don't know whether or not to, I don't know. I feel like I need to masturbate. And Rom laughs and is like, do or don't. I love you unconditionally. Exactly. It's just like, who cares? What do you want to be forgiven for? <laughs> you haven't done anything. <laughs> Good Lord. And I remember even his doctor was like, you should probably masturbate. Yes. Yeah, he got uh, pain in his testicles at one point after his wife left him. And uh, it was his doctor actually told him to masturbate. So I and I 
I showed you this part when we were on the plane on the way back, and this is where I'm going to end my official fanboying of <laughs> Ram Dass and Pete Holmes. But uh, so Pete and his um, love of his life, Val, are about to the sweetest have, story, have which, their child. Yeah, we didn't cover that, but we didn't y'all cover need that, to like definitely read it for that part because it's I very hope, cute. I hope Val sweet. listens to this. Yeah, because uh, because we love her for sure. I've been listening to to their "We Made It Weird" podcast a little bit lately. But he's she is like five six days away from delivering a baby, and Pete has run off to Maui to go be I you know be. with his boyfriend. She's like definitely. Um, the cool girl because I would be like fuck you yeah <laughs> understandably but Val does just cool like the, girl points like, the way care. more Whatever. valuable thing of I think you need to go <laughs> hang out for a week with this man who is obviously your guru before he passes away and you don't get a chance to ever do it again yeah and he gets a picture with Ram Dass when he's about to leave and go get on the plane and they're just grinning huge. And this picture is in the book. Yeah. And um, he sends the picture to Val and she goes, it looks like you're in love. <laughs> and uh, You gay? And I had to immediately pull up the picture of me yeah. and Wayne Kramer with the fucking exact same look on my face. <laughs> just like... <laughs> well, this is a couple of guys who are in love. Uh, <laughs> yeah, growing out for sure. And growing out. Wayne is also a small, older, bald man. So <laughs> he's my guru for sure. <laughs> uh, he's he's made all the mistakes uh, before me, so I don't have to make the exact same. Yeah, mistakes. he's one of those ones that Pete talked about, where it's like. Well, then I I was doing drugs and living a rock and roll lifestyle, and then I became enlightened. He's like, why couldn't I do all the fun stuff before I found Christianity? <laughs> um, was there anything else that you wanted to chat about? Um, no, I basically, you know what I said? I said my things, and I said all the things that I had problems with and all the things I liked and all the things I identified with. In short, I feel like while this is not a self-help book in the conventional sense... It was more freaking helpful than some of these books we'd be reading. It's, like, gonna be straight up. It grabbed me by the shoulders, <laughs> straightened me up, pointed my chin up, mm -hmm. and sent me off in a direction with some confidence that I didn't otherwise have. That I was like, you know what? Fuck yeah. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go find God. You know? I'm gonna go find like maybe it doesn't have to be God with a capital G. Maybe no, you don't have to find him. It's as it. close as the air on your yeah, skin. It's there all the time. So <laughs> it's a it's a, a definition of the higher power that I'm much more comfortable with. Yeah. And much more closely aligned with what I just inherently felt anyway. Yeah. You know, I I feel like I feel less guilt. I feel less weird about, you know, horny thoughts. <laughs> um, and I think that the book was aptly named. Um, so uh, thanks, Pete Holmes, for, for writing this uh, <laughs> cute little story about your life and for... <laughs> 
<laughs> telling us what you feel like it all means. Um, Amber, do you want to uh, hit us with the socials? And uh, um, well, so you told me that uh, Pete is not on social media, but he does have he has a social, social media. media that is you know for his shows and things. We're actually going to be seeing him in February in Atlanta. Oh yeah! So I'm pretty excited. I haven't seen him live, um, but his is just at Pete Holmes. Um, and his podcast, You Made It Weird, is on Spotify, wherever you want to get podcasts from. He also has a really, really cool, um, further reading section in the book. So you can find all of the content for Duncan Trussell, for Ram Dass. Eckhart Tolle. Yeah, for all of these folks and all of these books he's mentioned, um, throughout the, his his own memoir. Um, Don't forget that y'all can get those books uh, at your local bookstore. Yep, it is already. Or you, you can use ours. Yeah, it's already on our bookish list. So if you want to go on our link tree, which is on our Instagram, and click on our book list via bookish ATL, um, you can order it and it will benefit that bookstore that we love. Um, but our Instagram is at checking.in.podcast. Amber, do we have any idea what we're going to read for next time? Oh, God, I haven't even thought about it. Okay, we haven't even thought about it, folks. So we will surprise get the to shit know out of it. Yeah. As I like to say, well, you better get to know it. get to know him. <laughs> all right, folks, thank you all very much. <laughs> thank See you. See you next time.